what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to posting a deal, I get it done. Hey, welcome to another episode of Coinology. And I am here with none other than the king, Mr. Leo Sullivan. Give it up for Leo, y'all. Hey, yeah. Okay, so I'm hyped, y'all, because I didn't think this interview was going to happen. I talked to uh, Jasmine, my assistant, the other day. She said, I called and I confirmed Leo's coming. I said, he is. He ain't coming. <laughs> and then I checked again this morning. I said, because this man is so busy. Yeah, I have multiple hats. Uh, busy. I, but you, I, I compliment you because you are so persistent. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Leo ain't coming. He ain't coming. <laughs> then when they said, I, I went to check. I walked past their office. I said... Leo coming? She said, I just talked to him. He confirmed he's going to be here. I said, okay, all right, cool, cool. So Leo's here, y'all. Let's see Leo's here. Well, thank you. And I, I, it's a pleasure for you having me. I, I, I'm, I'm glad I, because you know what? I used to rep you. So I oh, know yeah. you yeah. don't like doing interviews. Yeah. And this is actually the first interview. Since then, right? Yeah, I've turned. Yeah, I'm, I haven't done any interviews since You then. don't like doing interviews. And I used to always tell Leo, man, your story is so amazing. It's a testimony to change lives, and you needed to do interviews, but you were so humble, and you also had your head down to doing the work. But I am so honored that you chose to be here because I know since then so much has happened in your life, right? Yes. So I want to talk about that, but I want to first, before we start talking about all the things that have happened since you and I have worked together, right. I want people to know why I'm so excited about having Leo Sullivan here. For those who don't know, Leo Sullivan is probably one of the top rated of all time African-American publishers for urban literature that has ever existed. Right. Um, He's also a filmmaker, film creator, producer, director. Um, He's an author himself. He's also a business mogul, so he owns multiple businesses, one being one of the top nightclubs here in the city of Atlanta. Well, in the outskirts of Atlanta, outskirts, the Bermuda yeah, Bar. Bermuda Bar. Right. Did I miss anything else? Um, You know what? I, I can't. I have to take these off. Okay. Um, So I really, this new era, there was a time I used to pride myself and like to talk about business ventures and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Not anymore. Okay. But I, you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes people, you put your business out there and it just doesn't, you know, people mm-hmm. don't have your best interest at heart. That's right. But I will say this. I'm I'm a very successful entrepreneur. I have um, business ventures in real estate. I have a trucking company um, and a few other projects. But what, I, what, what always holds dear to me um, was writing and how I came about you know, the craft of writing, and I think you may have a lot of talents, but God may only give you one blessing mm-hmm. or one, you know, one great talent. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes if we hone in on that, I think we'll find the true essence of us and what we were, our intentions were to be on this planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so writing actually, no matter how successful I am in anything else, I probably would, I, writing and creating is my best passion mm-hmm. my number one passion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, it's not a, a, all about money as you would do it with no it's money. cathartic you know what I'm yeah, right <laughs> right it, it, so let's talk a little bit about that leo who who is leo so leo where are you from i'm from the south side of chicago you know when i think about leo have you seen um bmf yeah, I love. I, I, I love BMF. That's the only show I binge watch. But you know, before. I love BMF. But when I see Little Meach up there, Little Meach for some reason reminds me of you. Oh wow! Has anybody ever told you that before? Yeah, yeah it's it's something about his swag or something. I'm like that's Leo. Yeah. So, so you from South Side of? I, I'm of uh, South Side of Chicago, Forty Seventh Street. Okay. Um, I I went to high school there. Uh, I'm the I'm the only child. Okay. My mother passed away when I was incarcerated. Okay. But that place is really dear to me as well because it's the epitome of struggle. You know, you come from a very impoverished background, 
uh, either make you or break you. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. And so, and so you, you, it was just you and your mom. Yeah, I'm the you only and child. your mom, the yeah. only child. And then, so your father was not around. No. no, okay. And so, as a kid, were you good in school? Did you listen to your mom? How, what was your childhood like? <sighs> my, t- my, my mother, God bless her. Um, she had a substance abuse, so she was addicted to heroin. Mm-hmm. So growing up was extremely challenging. But what people don't understand is like, especially with black women, y'all just, you may not have a lot of food, you may not have the greatest necessities, mm-hmm. but black women have an abundance of love. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what her challenges were, she was able to nurture me. I was thinking about the day, I was like, I was messed up because I didn't have a dad. And, and Chicago was riddled with gangs, and I was a gang member, and I was involved in, you know, street so, life. So don't don't slide over that. So a lot of people don't understand that the reason why people join gangs many times is because it's a family. It's it a feels, family. Did it you was feel dear like, to, to this day, it's, it's still, still dear. So I, did you feel like they were like your dad, your brother? They felt like that it was a fraternity of love that I couldn't get. And then we were locked out because s- 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 Chicago, like a lot of urban places, is structured where, you know, it's systematic poverty, it's systematic oppression. Mm-hmm. And we just didn't have, like, you know, the YMCAs and the, the places where children could traditionally go and let off steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our community just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So um, me being a part of that fraternity was with, like my family, my brothers, my, you know. But how did there. you know you wanted to join the gang? How did you know that? Like Actually, what, what goes on in a young black man's mind when he's young? Because, you know, you have all these right-wing politicians that want to condemn. And they frustrate me. They don't understand, right? They so don't understand. So what's going on? What, it, what was in your mind, Leo, that made you say... I need to do this because there were so many people who look like me were in my were in dear situations. But one thing bonded us and it cemented us. It was the mere fact that we didn't have a lot, and so that brought unity within us. Like I had milk, he had cereal. I got mm-hmm. some cereal, you got mm-hmm. some milk, mm-hmm. you know. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people haven't experienced that, mm-hmm. you know. What I'm talking about, or just the fact that there's domestic violence going in my house. There's probably someone who's um, a drug addict, um, and I need to get away from that. And, and this is my brother, and he's dealing with the same issues. Mm-hmm. Or just just as, just the rink of poverty itself sometimes has the ability to bond people because they have certain common likes and certain common. Mm-hmm. So know. it wasn't about the violence that connected you; it was the brotherhood. Yeah, the violence came later on, and, mm-hmm. and that's a whole nother topic because I just want to say this, and like, no, you know, I'm long, you know, I'm long winded. Mm-hmm. The violence that is occurring in Chicago, and and you have to hear me out because this is a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. The deaths you see, like daily, um, this looks like genocide, but it's being perpetuated by white America. Now, so, you know, I'm going to stop you there. because I one can explain thing, it. I want you to explain it because I'm really big on us taking responsibility for our actions. And I'm big on it, too. So talk to me. How is us killing one another? And once I explain it to okay, you, let's I talk about someone listens to this yeah. and they remember this. So I'm going to use something. So in Iraq, mm-hmm. so what they do in Iraq, they go, they, they get all the generals and the, um, the high-ranking officials, mm-hmm. they lock them up because they know that's going to cause mayhem, destruction, and a complete debacle of the system, the structure of it. Mm-hmm. But the only difference is after they destroy it, they, they kill all the generals and, and the majors and stuff like that. Then they come in and they restructure everything. So back in the day in Chicago, when I was a, a, a part of that, mm-hmm. we had organizations and it was like pharaohs and bishops and people who had structures. So if you shot up somebody's house, mm-hmm. if you you were going to get violated. Like, it was none of that. Like, it is not. It, it was not happening. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. And so what they did, they systematically came in Chicago. They locked up all the head of the gangs. And it created such mayhem, death, and destruction. And they just sit back and watch. And from what I hear, Leo. So we're killing each other right now. But that was their intent. Well, I always have heard that if they had not locked up the head of the gangs. That's what it is, yeah. It would not have. Because they said that gangs weren't created for 
what it is. So what was the purpose of gangs? Talk to us about that. Was it created for criminal activity? It, it wasn't, but like I say, the, the, the purpose of gangs or organizations of such is because poverty, like mm-hmm. despair, mm-hmm. not having access to certain things. I mean, there's a study that says people who go to prison and 70% of people who go to prison and they get education, they don't go back. But 70% of people who don't, they go back. Within mm-hmm. 18 months, Re-offenders. they go back. So tell me yeah. if we know mm-hmm. that these people are going to come home and be detrimental to our communities, why don't we invest in them so when they come home, they be better? Because we can invest in rushing them or whatever's going over there right now. They send billions of dollars over there for them for that water's going But let me on. ask you this, though, Leo. You have to want it. We're going to talk about that, too, because you can invest in a lot of people. I'm sure you got people coming to you all the time saying, let me get this, let me get that, let me get this, let me get that. You can invest in a lot of people, but they don't want it. If they don't want it. But at least try it. But at least try it. It's never been done. But you're throwing out money like that, though, Leo? No, the government is throwing out money like that. They'll do it to a foreign country, but what about your house? But what about us, right? What about us? Yeah, what about us? Let's not negate that, because it's so important that you take our tax money and you give it overseas, you give it... To those other countries that are fighting with each other, you try to save them, but here at home, perpetually for decades, centuries, we've been destroying and killing each other, and it's like throwing a rock and hiding the hand. Now, do I hold myself accountable for that? Mm-hmm. I hold myself 100% accountable for the killings and the violence, and in no way do I say that's right. But I do know that this was, they're not gonna educate us, no one's gonna say this. But you got, there's a part this of this plan. Right. So let's talk about that. So, so Leo, so you were how old when you joined the game? 13. 13. Um, and then when did you start having some bouts with the law? What age? 13. 13, right away. And so when did you, when were you incarcerated? How many times? I guess you probably were arrested multiple times before you went away, yeah. right? Um... <sighs> I was I was um, arrested a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, but and none of those times you ever said, "Let me stop." That's not even. A, a, I want people to think about this because as a kid, the way you process trauma is different, yeah, right? Yeah, I think with me was it would have been let me stop if I had came home to something that was you had no nothing to come home to. Right. Once you come home, it's like man. I remember, and I tell told this to my son yesterday because he he has a life that. He doesn't need for anything. You know how to, you got children. You know how it is. They I know. Just, I know. I know. And I always tell my kids, I'm like, y'all Man, couldn't survive. Right, you couldn't survive. <laughs> you couldn't like, survive, right. right? He won't even put money in his pocket because I was like, man, somebody gave me, like, I give you money. You don't even take it with you because right. you, just, you know. You're you, sitting you, down. You don't even value. You, don't, you mm-hmm. have no value for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with me, it was like coming home. And I remember putting cardboard in my shoes in the wintertime because I had holes in them. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember going in the stores stealing coats for myself just to keep me warm. You know what I'm saying? So, so it wasn't like I just want to do this. It was I, you had to do this for survival. It, it, was, a, it, 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 was, it was a real life necessity. And what, uh-huh. what, what irks me is the fact that a lot of times we become successful and then we adopt this uh, nonchalant attitude or this this whole theme about mm-hmm. if I can do it anybody can do it mm-hmm. but, but I know guys who were s- seven years old and had a three year old brother and their mother was strung out on drugs and at seven years old he was going to the store to steal for him and his three year old brother mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, 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 and he had it because he did not want his three year old brother crying himself right asleep, and so he had, and he had to be a man and, and people mm-hmm. like you know so it is a such thing and, and I'm just gonna say this they mm-hmm. say it's a myth. And I, I'll argue that, mm-hmm. but it is a such thing as being a product of your environment. Now you can break that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but some people are like, nah, it's just a myth. Is you know you can and you can, but the mm-hmm. same token, everybody, you know, once you become um, a part of a culture, you have to get help or you have to help yourself. So it's it's just certain circumstances different. Product of your environment doesn't have to be negative. So you and I both are products of our environment. Yes, we just so happen to go in a different way. And we are still making sure that people understand right. the environment. But we also are giving light to the folks that are back at home where each one of us came from to say, guess what? There's an opportunity. There's opportunity. It doesn't stop yeah. here. And your story continues. So you're 13. When did you get that mass incarceration where it was boom for a long period? So at, at 13, at 14, I just was telling this to somebody today. I, um, I got 
charged with the burglary of a laundromat. So me and my friends, we broke into a laundromat. Mm-hmm. I left my ID in the laundromat. Ooh. <laughs> so, you did one of those things like these little kids in <laughs> Linux. These little kids out <laughs> Linux doing stuff like that. And that just shows you we really not. You yeah. know, it's just a crime of uh, opportunity just mm-hmm. because, you know. But I don't negate the fact, and I, I know I'm being redundant with that word. Mm-hmm. I don't deny the fact that it makes it right. It doesn't make it right if you commit a crime. You can't make up an excuse and say, I committed a crime because I was hungry and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom wasn't there and I was taking care of myself mm-hmm. at, at th- uh, 13 years old. But it sure was an impetus mm-hmm. for, you know, your skunk stomach growling and just being a part of the environment. But, so I got in trouble then, but this police told me something. And I was telling my, my girl this. I was like, it's amazing the things that we retain and what we won't retain. Mm-hmm. And I, for all my life, I never forgot this. And he said, I came home, my mother was crying. I was like, Mom, what you crying for? She shut the door. The detectives were standing right there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, God. So they, they took me to jail. Um, but in the car, he said, the reason why I don't commit crimes is because, or I don't do anything because every morning I can wake up and I don't have to worry about, and that, I don't have to worry about somebody waking me up. I have to worry about my conscience. I don't have to mm-hmm. worry about being, you know, incarcerated or in jail or being, you know, accused of something. And so that's a big that so stays that, with me t- today, to the, t- today. Because that means you were 13, 14 stressed because every day you worried about is yeah. somebody coming around the corner. Yeah. Knocking at your door. Not only the the other gangs that's out there, you worried about the cops, you worried about everything, right? At 13, 14, so you didn't have a childhood, Leo. No, it was it was no, it was it was You you know, I you you have a good point there. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. If you really look at it, I, I didn't, but I still remember those moments like a video in my head of those times where my mom, you know, did what she could. To, to overcome her situation, mm-hmm. um, and I remember my when I was eighteen, I was charged with homicide. Mm-hmm. I remember um, now when they brought the charges down on you, were you like, "Oh my God, this is it," or did you think you were going to walk again? No, I was. I didn't know they. Um, I was at my girl's house and they knocked on the door, mm-hmm. and so the, the police was coming up the stairs, and so I thought I was smart. I ran out the back door, which that's the oldest trick in the book. Mm-hmm. It was right there waiting mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. But they never told me what they would. So they beat me all the way down to the police oh station. Because mm-hmm. that's just how Chicago is. Mm-hmm. It's like, we never knew that, that we that thing about pull over and show this. And you can't stop. I mean, that just, not, just never existed. Mm-hmm. So they got me to the police station. They beat me up. Uh, I was there. They never told me what it was for. Then eventually the cop came in and said, there's somebody in my apartment in the next room had said that I was associated with murder. Mm-hmm. And so I was, it's, it was like nine months in, in, in jail just trying to beat that. Mm. So I, I never was, I never, um, I was found innocent of it. You were found innocent. They dropped the charges eventually because they, okay. they, you know. And so then did you, now did you have a long stint in prison though, right? So... Some years later, mm-hmm. um, I end up serving about 15 years in federal prison. Mm-hmm. That's no joke. And that's where, while you were locked up, that's, that's where you learned. really learned your create creative passion, right? Yeah. How, yeah. how did you find out that you could write, that you had this gift? Because it's the best feeling. But how did you find out? How did you start? I was in, we were in Atlanta Federal Penitentiary. Atlanta Federal Penitentiary used to be, used to be the worstest prison I heard, in the now, United I, States. I heard Atlanta is no joke. So they would kill the guards. They would kill, like, I walked in the laundry, find dudes. I was sitting down one day. A dude was, somebody grabbed me and was holding me, and somebody was spraying me with something. And, and I couldn't get loose and come to find out this guy was stabbing this guy. And the guy was getting stabbed, was holding me. And so while I was incarcerated, I just knew I wasn't going to come home. I just knew I was going to die or kill somebody. It was no doubt in my mind. Um, But I went to prison, and while I was in prison, my love for reading and writing was just, I just liked to write poetry and stuff like that. And then I was influenced by my mentor. God bless you. He's home right now. It's it's Tupac's dad. His name is Matul Shakur. He just came home after serving 35, 37 years 
in prison. Black Panther, right? Black Panther. And he was in prison with you. He was in prison. So he that took was, a liking to you. That's what did it. He mm-hmm. did it. I owe him my sin. I made sure he he's straight. Even to this day, uh, this next week I'm flying to California to visit him. He has cancer and he's only, they, they say, but he's going to make it. He has like 90 days or okay. something like that. But. He's um, he was instrumental in my development in terms of me writing, in terms of me bringing in the, all the scholars in Georgia State, um, Doctor Akulit, uh, a lot of professors and stuff would come into the prison mm-hmm. to speak, because when he was out, they did stuff, but they did it the free like case in point, like they would have. Feed the homeless, feed the tr- mm-hmm. breakfast for the children in the mm-hmm. morning. You know, mm-hmm. some because at that particular time, we were just so oppressed. That's when they were sticking dogs on people and didn't want you to go to school because you were, you know, just racial profiling. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have cameras then, so the news only said there was a shootout with a, with a black man and he got killed. But actually, the black man was, you know, so mm-hmm. he had, he did so much stuff. But what he did to me, he would make me write essays on the side of Shakur, on just. Um, black liberation stuff and, and opened my eyes into our struggle, our plight as a people. And I remember one day I was I was in the hospital upside up top on the fourth floor and they had opened the doors for us to go eat mm-hmm. and I saw a massive exodus of black people and the tears just ran down my face because I was like, wow. we only six percent of the population but we making up like 90-something, you know, of this, this of incarceration. So did he ever tell you what was it about you that made him say, let me take Leo under my wing? Did he ever share that with you? <laughs> to this you? day, I don't know. I, would, I think when you go visit him in California, I, to this day, I don't you know. need to find out why. Because you got to think about all of the other people that were there. Yeah. And it was something about you. Yeah. And he invested in you. Because investing isn't about just money. We were talking about that earlier. He invested in no, He took time, time out. He put, yeah, he educated me. He set uh-huh. me down. He taught me stuff. He made me read books. And I just became so conscious. And I would think about Pac under his influence. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, and, and the things that he would do would just, it, I hate to say this. I hate to say this, but because mm-hmm. I would put no man. was like a demigod. Mm. Like, mm. you know, the things that he would do, the inspiration, he would inspire people and motivate people and just bring, you know, galvanize us when he came into the prison. It was just so phenomenal. Well, you got to think about it. Somebody to birth or to be a part of something like Tupac. Right. Like, Tupac is one of, one. like, when I think about Michael Jackson, you're not going to ever see another Michael no, Jackson not, in yeah, lifetime, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't think you're going to ever see another Tupac. You will see another Beyonce. Okay, right. don't get me wrong. I know the beehive will come at me. <laughs> okay, but I am serious. You can see another Beyonce eventually, but Michael Jackson, no, Prince, yeah, Tupac. Yeah. It's just certain ones, yeah, and I, and I say Michael Jordan, too. Michael Jordan, <laughs> Mike Tyson, yeah. Muhammad Ali, and I will be even remiss to say Leo Sullivan. I think you're just so humble about it. You're not going to see too many more Leo Sullivans out there. You can see other writers, other publishers, uh, other filmmakers, but Leo. So let's let's, let's keep talking. So you you began to write. How did you know that you can monetize your writing? Like how did? Because I know from my understanding, because I used to rep you. You started selling your work before you even left prison. Yes. I was making a lot of money in prison. In prison. So you were making, because that's what I'm saying, you were making, so when people use excuses, Leo, they at home now talking about blah, blah. You were in prison making bank. Yeah. How did you know to do that? How, well, what happened? Well, Ebony, if anybody knows this, you know this right here. Mm-hmm. When something is your passion mm-hmm. and it's something you love, it may be look like a job to somebody else, but actually it's your passion. You love it. <laughs> I love it. I, I tell Fonz this all the time. I walk around here, y'all, where's this? We got it. Blah, 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 blah. But I go in my office and I'm fussing at J- yeah, Jasmine. Yeah. But I love it. I love yeah. what I do. Every yeah. time Jasmine come around the office and to my door, I'm like, don't come around here if you're asking for some more money. <laughs> right? I tell her she comes to the door. <laughs> if it's about money, don't come around. But then we, she and I bust out laughing because I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I love and, it. And that's that 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 was me. But also a step further though, I some of our brains we are inclined to think more and take more chances mm-hmm. and more risk. Mm-hmm. 
because prior to then, I, I, had, I had this lady send me a, um, a book on websites for dummies. Mm-hmm. And so I, before Steve Harvey and it blew up, I was going to do the session, social dating thing. Mm-hmm. And so what I ended up doing, because back then they had... Um, That's right. You created a website for the guys in prison to meet... The girls, girls outside. That's right. I forgot about that. And so I was making a lot of money <laughs> off that. And I got in trouble with a lot of... Every prison in the United States had just us pen pals in it, for the most part. And it was very lucrative. Wait a minute. So you were syndicated. Yeah. It was great. Wow. It was really great. So you... And the, the prisons had to pay you. Yeah. I was I was doing really well financially. But what ended up happening is uh-huh. I had a partner on the street. Mm-hmm. And you know how that goes. Once they stop making a lot some money, they think they're rich. Mm-hmm. And so then they stop working mm-hmm. and then they just start using money for other extracurricular stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then that was the debacle. And I almost lost my life because of that. Because really? Guys have been, yeah, prison dudes were sending hundreds of dollars for a service that couldn't be provided because she had just got like a days ago. You know, I came home, she tried to reach out to me and, and stuff. I didn't say anything, um, I didn't berate her or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I was really upset because we really dropped the ball. Now you look at these, you know, this, you look at the, uh, the culmination of all these other stuff, and, and it's like we were one of the, you know, we had started that back in. Yeah, the early that was I forgot about that. 90s. I think I remember you telling me that one. Yeah, time it was before. really great. It was it was very lucrative. But you know, and, and that's the sad thing about being an entrepreneur, or mm-hmm. even in coinology, mm-hmm. is you realize, in order to get the coins. You have to have you have to be disciplined mm-hmm. and be patient mm-hmm. and consistent and consistent mm-hmm. because um, it just doesn't happen overnight. And then when it does happen, you have to have the common sense to be able to put money to the side and strategically invest your money or not spend it on a whim. You know that's financial literacy, but you don't just. So the difference with that though, Leo, someone had to teach you that, right? A lot of us don't have financial literacy. Right. So somebody, so was that also your mentor that taught you about the financial literacy piece or was that learned later? Well, I, I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm, I don't know if I can agree with that because I, okay, I think what will teach you that mm-hmm. is, is being going broke, right? <laughs> yeah, going broke and saying, I don't want to go broke again, right? Right, but think about how many people go broke and they continue to go broke. Well, they, they don't they, learn. They don't, well, because they not. It's not meant for them. It's, right. It's not. It's not meant, meant for, you. for them. Once you succumb to that and you and you and you squander your money, which I've never did that. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, that's what I'm saying. It's something that taught did. you. So you poverty. Were, that's what. It, poverty. So roaches, so your point was, I don't ever want to go back to that again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Little cramp. Not you know cars you like to drive mm-hmm. some stuff. You know, lifestyles, vacations, mm-hmm. and it's not all materialistic things, but it's just things that you sh- you should, as a human being, you should be reward yourself with you know for the trials and tribulations and, of which and you just, went through. You know, yeah. And, and being a, on, on this planet. So so you began selling books. Somebody, so uh, uh, someone came in and showed you how to. I actually, um, I signed with, um, everybody know what I'm going to say, but I signed with Vicki Stringer. She's over Triple Crown. So mm-hmm. she was, she was actually in college. Did she find you or how, how did you know to do this? So I bought a book on um, so, um, soliciting your material and uh, sending inquiries and stuff like that. Um, and I would read that stuff. And so I would just like, uh, back then that was Ebony Magazine. Remember Ebony Magazine? Oh, yeah. yeah. Ebony Magazine was the jump <laughs> off. It still is. Right. And mm-hmm. so I was just reading all that. Anybody had a book out. And so I would, was massive, like have 100 envelopes sent up. And then um, I would just send them out to all the publishers. You were relentless. Yeah. It was that. like, Leo, you weren't going to stop. No, I would hustle and get money with stamps. And see, in prison, commerce was is stamps. So if you buy some food or I got some gym shoes or if you smoke mm-hmm. something from me in, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I give you two hundred dollars worth of stamps for those stamps. But sometimes the stamps, if you get them to the street, they had people who could actually take those stamps and turn them into currency. Uh, let me ask you this: Were you planning for your exit, or were you just just? Were you even thinking about I need to get my money up so when I come out, or were you just like, just it was just something you had to do, like you were just passionate about it? Were you thinking about what am I going to do once I leave here? When I came home from prison, um, 
it was first off the night I was getting released and I had been locked up for so long I was um I had to uh, re reorientate myself I had to um re become accustomed to society mm-hmm. and so I'm in my cell he cut the light off because mm-hmm. I just broke down I broke my mother was dead my mother had passed away so your mom passed while you were locked up oh. that was my rock and did so they let you fight. go to her funeral no they wouldn't let me go to oh her my funeral. god and so I remember just breaking down the night they were gonna let me go I did all those years in prison and then I was coming home and I had to go to a halfway house and they made me do all my time there and then I had the choice between getting my own place or living in a homeless shelter. The reason why I lived in a homeless shelter because the women who were attracted to me, I wasn't attracted to them, and I didn't want to do like my peers were doing when they were getting home. They were getting coming right back because they were moving with women and driving their cars and eating up their food. Putting up the pressure the on them. Mm-hmm. And I saw so many guys coming back and seeing federal prison. I came home with five years probation. So if I had violated that, I would have to do another five years. Mm. And so I was asking guys, like, what are you back for? You just left. And he's like, man, she told me I was driving her car. Or I moved without them. It was little stuff that mm-hmm. they would violate mm-hmm. you for. So it was no mistake. So you were even strategic on your exit. Yeah, You were like, I'm not going back. I'm not coming so back. you went to live in a home. But this is the thing that people don't realize. You went to live in a homeless shelter, and you were already making six figures. Yeah. Was it six figures? Because you, you hadn't made your I first million making, yet. No, I hadn't made my first million then. But I was still doing really Really nice. well. And that was the thing. <laughs> so you moved into a homeless shelter, out of prison, and making well over six figures. Yeah, it was a well, purpose behind that, though, because like because of my past crimes, they were trying to like that. They didn't they didn't give me the regular probation officer. They gave me the probation officer that was like, where are you at right now? You got 15 minutes to get if you don't get here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, man, I'm in school because I went to school. I went to college when I got out. Mm-hmm. And so it, it a piss and pee in this, this cup right mm-hmm. now in mm-hmm. type situation. Mm-hmm. But I got to go. No, we need you right now, you know, or come visit me. I come. come I need you to come to my office. Come to my office. And he's like, um, leave your car. I'm like, what am I leaving my car for? Because your license is suspended. I was like, if my license is suspended, why you told me to come? Mm-hmm. That actually happened to me. Mm-hmm. And so well, he told me to leave my car. And I'm like, I'm not leaving my, I had a, a, a Mercedes. Uh, Wait a minute, Mercedes while you were in a homeless shelter? Yeah. Oh my goodness, Leo, come on now. And but I, I, <laughs> in the homeless shelter rolling up in the Mercedes, right? Yeah. I just didn't Well, that's it, probably why the. It was the, a structure. But that's why the, the PO was on you. He probably automatically assumed that you were back hustling. out there in the street. I, I wasn't, but I just didn't. If I had found a woman who I was actually attracted to mm-hmm. or somebody who was compatible, I would have, but I just didn't want to take the risk of moving in with somebody and it, it didn't work out. And then I get in trouble because, you know, because even there, I was situations with women that was challenging mm-hmm. that they tried to get me in trouble, you know, and so mm-hmm. I was like, I, you know, you first come home, you're young, and you know, mm-hmm. you know. So, but I because was, what it, they say, the wisest man's weakest is a woman. That wasn't, my, wasn't for me. So, so you were able to maneuver <laughs> so, around that, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that was good because some of the the smartest men that we see out here, Leo, their downfall has been women, the wrong woman. Now, I get it. Um. That's another subject. That's a whole other subject. Okay, so you, you're out of prison. Uh, you're doing very well for yourself. And then you move into your own place. Yeah. I, I Eventually moved, uh, move into your own I place. I on college campus at Florida State University, which is okay. incredible. Okay. Um, I got my, to this day, you know what's, what's interesting? Mm-hmm. I've been able to be successful after then, but just me having that small quint, one room place, I think, was the most triumphant, most happiest time of my life. Mm-hmm. Well, you were free. Yeah, you I could was do free. what you want to do, right? Yeah, you it, were free. Regardless of what happened now and then, I just remember that time. It's just because I remember thinking that, you know, God, if you the get difference. me out of here, if I just had my own place in the computer and just rug, car, and, and, and it happened, I was like, just You know that? why that was better than even right now? It's better than now. Because now you have everybody pulling at you, expecting, wanting, judging, um, plotting, right. then it was 
no one knew. So innocent. You were innocent. No one knew. So you move on. You you get your own place. You get on your feet. And then how do you end up becoming the king, the Leo Sullivan Publishing House? Like, if anybody was trying to get into. So it was just, I know, because I'm a believer. But, you know, God also put something in us. Yeah. And you have to. You know, I'm very competitive, but mm-hmm. I, I'm also a, a fun believer of like studying my competition. Mm-hmm. Me too. And then even more so, and this will get both of us in trouble, mm-hmm. but I know, you know it got me in trouble. Mm-hmm. Just treat people how you want to be treated. That's man. right. Mm-hmm. Just treat people. And don't, don't be about it for the money because mm-hmm. if you're in it for the money, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Treat people well. Treat people well. And so what I did, what I done was like if I was getting a check... I try to disperse it and make sure all of us eat because that's come from a game mentality. Mm-hmm. That's what I was about to say. It that goes back to the game. came from that mentality mm-hmm. when I was in a part of that. It mm-hmm. was like, that's how we came up. It was like, there's no, at the table, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to eat steak and you over there eating hot dogs. Because when like you do that, you're creating an environment of hostility. And they, right. And you're asking for it. They're going to betray you. Most definitely. So you became Leo Sullivan, Leo Sullivan Presents. And then at the height of your career, how many are, I mean, authors did you have signed to Over you? Over 100. Yeah, right. It was at a point the where you... The biggest publishing company in the United States. Ever publishing yeah, company. biggest company, uh, publishing company in the United States, right? Because right? you right, had a yeah. hundred, over a hundred pub- I mean, authors, but then you had sub companies underneath you, right? Yes, ma'am. So it was like, um, if you think about it, uh, it was sort of like a organized... It was a hierarchy. Okay, hierarchy, right? <laughs> I'll be right. I'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he had me really. You had really changed the face of it, and what a lot of people didn't realize at that time that it became people. That, well, people will ask, "How do you become so extremely wealthy publishing books?" But you guys changed the game. You guys realized that there was a lot of money in ebooks, and that is when people began to make an unusual amount of money in that space of ebooks. Yeah. And um Leo and his team just they just turned the world upside down for African American authors. You gave a lot of people opportunities that would not have gotten them from traditional publishing houses. Yes, ma'am. And being able to tell stories about people that most traditionalists did not want to hear. Yes, ma'am. So I think that that was something huge. But then then something happened. What happened, Leo? What My greatest nightmare happened, what I've always prepared, people for always prepared, everybody was close to me. I was like, you know, just work is like every day is your first day. Just work like, you know, because you never know. Like the, I, I always said this, anybody know me, I always say this, um, you have to work like the day is your last day. You know, mm-hmm. just be prepared because a lot of people here. What I said, a lot of people they were here last year, not here this year. Mm-hmm. And I saw my predecessors. You know, I saw people had succumbed to um, things that I think that were unfortunate, but it's because of not being economical, of not being respectful, of not. Um, you know, just being a businessman. Not putting money up. Putting money up. Because um, you never know. Yeah, you never know. You never, you know. never know. I I always, like, tried to invest my money back into my company. That's, that's like the streets. I mean, you just, you, even I was, yeah. Listen, I always say this, Leo. If we can take some of our guys from off the street and put them in, like, legitimate businesses, you're talking about some of the most brilliant businessmen yeah, yeah. that were ever out there if they they just didn't know that there was Dang. different products or services to do yeah. but so for those who don't know at the height of Leo's career I mean he is and no one has surpassed him so far, so far in the yeah. space of publishing but in the height of that um everything was called to a halt at one, he just received the letter one day from my biggest distributor. The biggest distributor, which is Amazon. Was Amazon. And right. Amazon, if you guys know anything about Kindle, Kindle it was the platform that everybody used. Still is. It still is the Amazon, platform everybody yeah, uses yeah, to get their ebooks, and they and and they shut down. 
Leo Sullivan Publishing. Yes, and that meant all of the subsequent folks. So you had a whole lot of people who didn't know what was going to do. So again, as we mentioned, Leo gave a lot of people opportunities that would not have had them otherwise. So there was a lot of panic and people didn't know where their next check was coming from. I was devastating. What they were going to do. And Leo had to answer to thousands of yes, people, right? Um, and so that's when you really see the mark of a leader because having to stand in the most difficult time of your life. Turbulent. Yeah, that, yeah, that probably was like the, the most. One did of the you most sleep at night? How did, how did you handle that? It was devastating. I mean, to be honest about that, because they really didn't have um, a good excuse for shutting me down other than just saying that they, they uh, suspected some suspicious activity mm-hmm. with my books. And so. Do you think um, it was because you were a black man making a whole lot of money on their platform? You know what? I said that once before, and I was so attacked because of that, because it's politically incorrect for us to say sometimes that maybe the system may be corrupt or maybe the system may be racist or prejudiced. But I, you know, I don't want to revisit that, but I will say I find it awfully ironic, you know, by me having the biggest publishing company in the United States and them never coming back and actually telling me what my violation was because everybody else, as anybody knows, if you making millions of dollars and they say you did something illegal, then they're going to prosecute you. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a, a whole lot of documentation of Amazon always efficiently and effectively prosecuting people for stealing thousands of dollars, much less mm-hmm. millions of dollars mm-hmm. that, that my company accumulated. Um, so that that I, I feel that way, but I want to cry wolf. I don't want to cry. You know, I don't want sympathy. You know, real leaders and real winners don't sit in and point fingers at yeah, other people. Yeah, I'm not going to wallow in that. What we do is figure out what could we have done differently. That's right. You Grow from it. it and get back up. So how long did you stay down from that, though, Leo? I mean, I know that had to really get oh, you, man. Wow. So let me see. So we had that, and then we had that, and then we went through this very, very, very um, tumultuous period that I think a lot of us kind of like some forget about. I don't want to remember, and that was the COVID. Oh yeah, yeah. And so that was on, and that was like the most devastating thing in my life. You know, just, just you know, just that um, the two combination of things. And then I went through an unexpected divorce. Right, and that was I was I didn't, didn't know if you was going to mention that. I, know, I, I thought she was going. Well, I, the, I was, the reason why I would say that, guys, is because Leo also married um, a very popular publishing owner as well. And when they got married, it was sort of like the Jay-Z and Beyonce of the publishing world. Her name was Portia Sterling. She was she is extremely beautiful um, and very smart. And Leo and Portia were married and the whole publishing world went crazy. It was just like the couple to keep your eyes on. And um, I know that during that time, the 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 business kind of deteriorated, and at the same time, COVID. Because guess what? If the business, if the business had not deteriorated during COVID, you probably would have made your most money. Yeah, doing COVID, right? Yeah. Um, because everybody would have been reading and da da da. But so during that time, so you lost your business. COVID came and it causes mental stress of everything else, was, and then you was, go through an unexpected divorce. Yeah. So I think the divorce was. Um, was, you know, it, it happened. Um, we so you two, didn't see it coming? Nah. We had two small children. Um, and so that was, that was um, you know, it was something that, for me to deal with, like really, really deal with it. And I'm not a, a public person, so my private life is private. So I, you're the first person I ever talked about this mm-hmm. with, to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was... Um, it was the it was a really dark period. Even though in public I was you know wearing a cape, put the face up, and just you know mm-hmm. still you know you have to post and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But, but you were hurt. I was yeah. I was I was really 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 really. I'm talking yeah, about really, really, really hurt. Really, like, and you probably really, felt alone. Yeah, I did, and because the only thing I'm a I'm an introvert, and mm-hmm. so you don't realize how much you're an introvert until devastation happens, and then also. Friends, who I thought were my were dear to me, 
um, there were some issues, you know, there were some issues mm-hmm. with people taking sides, but it's, it's okay if you take sides, but you shouldn't have a narrative to go with that. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. against you know, and just stay out of it. Just, just stay, just stay out, out of it. I yeah. believe that if Don't that person hasn't yeah. wronged you, stay out of it. Yeah, so. stay neutral. And these are people who, like, are dear to me, like mm-hmm. my best friend. You know, mm-hmm. something like my best friend, my closest associate. Mm-hmm. And there's this narrative and stuff like that, and just people who just you know, it's like, like you say, just stay out of it. Just stay out of it. You know, just stay so out of it. I and so everything becomes very toxic. Um, and I, I remember one day I started to see a, a psychiatrist and uh, I was like, man, I'm having problems with my chest and stuff like that. And he called me and he was like, Leo, you have post-traumatic stress. And I was like, I can't, I have too much stuff. I have too many businesses. I have too much stuff going mm-hmm. on. I can't, mm-hmm. black men don't have post-traumatic stress. He's mm-hmm. like, Leo, you are suffering from post-traumatic stress. Can you imagine not though? You've been through hell, Leo. But I wasn't. And you weren't so, processing it. Yeah, I just know I couldn't sleep at all. I was having a lot of nightmares. And then sometimes I think about certain things, and I had these sharp pains in my chest, mm-hmm. like really, like the pains you don't want to have. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's when it was brought to my attention the reason I was suffering from post traumatic stress. And I was like, well, and I had to go research. I was like, what the hell? Is- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we don't have post traumatic stress. Um, and so. I mean, it is where these things happen, but I'm, a, you know, I'm a fun believer, and I, I, I'll take this to my grave with me. The truth always comes to the light. Mm-hmm. If you're a thief, if you're dishonest, if you're rude, um, if you're not sincere, um, if your passion is not in the right place, it's going to show. It's gonna, so they accused you of... You know, stealing, take, stealing, stealing, the and money, stealing the money. You get, yeah, you getting the money. You're not paying them. People were sending letters in. You know, my kids didn't have Christmas because of you. Yeah. Da, 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 I da. was a firestorm, but I'm not. I, I want to say this. I don't harbor any intimacy, any animosity, animosity mm-hmm. towards them. I don't harbor any ill feelings because I get it. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times things that like people like well. Um, I'm going out my contract. And I think that became problematic because if I gave you $30,000, or if I gave you even $5,000 and you said you went out your contract. Where my money coming from. Right. And so. Is it, you think it's just that people don't understand business? For the sake of me not getting attacked, I'm not going to respond to that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, because mm-hmm. one thing about, you know, certain cultures or certain backgrounds, it, it becomes um, it becomes emotional. And once it becomes emotional, you have to distance yourself from that. Whenever you have an argument or a conversation with someone and it gets volatile, if they're not logical, if they're being emotional, like my kids in my house and I can't, you can't. You, you can't do it. But how did you handle it? You. I tried and, to do the best I could. But from blo- like you guys were the blog tabloids like how did you just not read them no i saw it i saw people like was it painful it was well i think the personal shots like like al is not i have al since he was three i raised him Mm -hmm. my stepson so Mm -hmm. i love him like my my that's Mm -hmm. my son Mm -hmm. and so people were digging up stuff saying that's not even his real son he raising him but that's a good thing though right i thought it was and so that kind of that kind of hit home or bringing up my mom or you know saying stuff about his mom and my mom was passed away, or just authors who weren't even signed to me because it was the end thing. Mm-hmm. If you write a post and say, Leo stole all my money and he got my books, you're not even signed. I haven't, you didn't even got a check from, like, I don't even know you. And if that was the case, something would have stuck, right? There would have been some type of lawsuit or somebody yeah. would have stuck somewhere. Right. And it, it, it never happened, but I get it. Mm-hmm. And it was in 2019. I get it, get it. And a lot of publishers benefited from that because right now, some of my, the publishers who always want to be like me, as part of their, as part of their sale pitch to indoct new authors, they bring my name up. Okay, okay. So, so authors contact me. It's like, you know what? Guess what he did? He told me that you stole his money. And we, you know, and I was like, so I keep hearing it so much from, from other new people mm-hmm. coming in the industry. It's just, it's interesting that it's still, you it's use still as a going sales out there, a sales pitch. But you, but you, you know, as you know, the head person, the top of the game, you are going to be the target. That's what a lot of people don't really understand about this thing. 
when you, everybody wants to be that mama, the goat. But when they get to be the goat, most people can't handle that. They don't. It's big big shoes. Yeah, it's huge. To be targeted, to be uh, ridiculed. It was people who actually dedicated their lives. Like, it was people like 24 7 just writing stuff, making pages. Um, Instagram. Remember that, like on Instagram, so one person had, had, had dedicated a whole oh, Instagram yep, page yep. to just just some malicious attacks. Yep. Uh, and I and, and I I get it because this is what's happening, and a lot of people don't realize this. Social media is euphoric. It's an extreme addiction. It's so much oh, so. Oh my goodness! It's yes. so much so that generations from now are gonna look at us and it's like what if we don't stop this this what's happening to our children mm-hmm. and, and adults tearing up their brains with this uh, incitable addiction for likes and attention and stuff like that then we're gonna be in a bad space I think they're gonna reference this period as like the stone age the stone age yeah we, so, it's like our brains it's just sleep. it's just the it's just the biggest you fear high that you get and so if you writing about you mm-hmm. um, don't sign with her because She's not the best, and then if they get a lot of likes, then they have to revisit that. And they have the, what was bothering me was people would blatantly attack me, and then be in my inbox. Mhm, mhm, mhm. And then you have to do you call them out? Do you call them out? No, I never. No, I you never. just let it go. I didn't give them what they were asking for mm-hmm. because your ass was acting up, and so now you're trying to buddy buddy with me. Mm-hmm. But you should have thought about that before, before you, you went right, out down line and said and something. You, and you said you attacked me and my family, right? And my children, and now you are uh, you sending me emails. I was wondering, and I just wouldn't respond. Mm-hmm. To it. I wanted mm-hmm. to say, I, I, you know, I wanted to be a little vindictive, a little nasty. Mm-hmm. But so you can't. I can't. This is the thing. <laughs> I, I used to always ask this, Leo, and I'm sure people say this to you too. Why do I have to always uh, turn the other chip cheek? Why do I have to be the bigger person all the time? But that comes with the role. Yeah, yeah, that comes and you get role. tired of always feeling like you're the punching bag or that you have to take the abuse. But it kind of comes, comes with the with role, it. right? Right, because a lot of times people are just jockeying for your attention. And a boss can't respond to a peon because mm-hmm. a lot of times the peon, and I, 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 I say this nicely, but their main objective is just to peek you and try to get your attention. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And I can't and get respond. you to go off. Right. And I can't respond to you because it's, it has no relevance. And two, it's a complete waste of time because, you know, I, we, there's not enough hours in a day for me and you. Mm-mm, it's not. It's Every not day the time. like, dang, I didn't get this Listen, done. have you ever seen that um, Instagram video? Uh, Diddy, I was listening to it this morning. I was Diddy was going off. He was like, don't call me if you're calling to talk about somebody. If right, you ain't talking about that, making no money. Right. <laughs> I was serious, though. He said, if you want to know what I'm doing, I'm working. What you doing? Right. I was like, that is no, one of my favorite they, videos. Man, that, it's true. Because people right. do that. They call you. Well, people just invent stuff just to try to get your attention. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? And it may be on a, a, a petty scale, but to them it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, but it's huge respond. because you ain't got nothing else going on. <laughs> and you looking at, because me personally, I'm going to tell you, I ignore. Once I, I'm at a point like this, once I know you're not for me, yeah, just keep I don't going. go back and forth with you. You are now out of my stratosphere. That's I right. unfollow you or I block you. That's if somebody come to me wanting to tell me what this, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. Don't show me don't nothing. Show I ain't trying to be involved no. because that takes you off that of your game. This is paramount. It's very mm-hmm. paramount. It's very important that people understand. Just like you protect your house, just like you protect um, your bank account, mm-hmm. just like you protect all your passwords, mm-hmm. you have to protect your brain from being exposed to negative energy mm-hmm. and influences because mm-hmm. one little small thing can ruin your whole day. You know what I'm talking about? Your week. Your week. Yeah, it could just it could just like and and um and so we have to take those measures to protect our sanity mm-hmm. and, and just like we protect everything that's just dear to us. You have to. And you know what I do too, Leo, like um some people will send you these long emails and it could be very abusive. I have trained my brain 
that once I start reading the email and it starts going and it automatically turns yep. off. <laughs> and not. I want so people, you wait. I'm telling you now, if you sending me, you wasting your time because I'm not going to <laughs> I'm read, not it. read it. I'm not reading it. Soon as I start seeing the language going a certain click, because I can't allow that to get into my right. in my spectrum. I can't right. do it. So I know we, you know, we got things going on. I know you got to get out of here. But what's next for you, Leo? Um. I I'm looking at a, a comeback in terms of um, my publishing, so but just in another genre. Mm-hmm. Um, that's your passion. That's my passion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm I should be releasing a book this year as well. Is it gonna be in the urban? You're not doing urban anymore, right? So oh yeah, it'll be I'm, okay. I'm, I'm gonna yeah because I, I I write what I know. Okay, what I'm comfortable in. Okay. I don't want to try to write portray something that that I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's just a how you put it out, where you put it at. Mm-hmm. You know and I know you just did several films too, right? Yeah, I'm happy to announce I just did a project with Columbus Short and Erica Peoples. I just did a, another project with um, an up-and-coming guy by the name of... Um, Jesus Christ, forgive me for this. Um, his name is Jeff Logan. Mm-hmm. He's on Beat the Crawls. Um, and you just had another movie with someone else as a as a veteran. It's a Cliff. Um, yes. Cliff and Powell. Yes, I saw that. I was so, like, go, Leo. Yeah. So I have three films that mm-hmm. I finished this that, that be coming out this year mm-hmm. that I finished. Mm-hmm. Three projects that I finished. I'm also excited um, that you know, and I, I, I hate to say things that that are politically incorrect. Mm-hmm. But I reached out to some of our people mm-hmm. to work with them. And got some of shenanigans, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I reached out to our white counterparts, and they were very receptive and very professional. Mm-hmm. And that's not to put us down or nothing like mm-hmm. that, but it tends to make you wonder, like, how much do we still suffer from the psychosis from you know from mm-hmm. slavery? Mm-hmm. We still have this crab in the bucket mentality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, the um, post-traumatic because maybe it was yeah. they didn't feel like our projects would be as because it's black. I don't you know. I, it could be. I know the white folks, they was like, because, you know, this is the thing. Me. Well, you know why? Because the white folks know, too, that right now, black um, genre movies are yeah. making a major comeback. Like, Tubi has a whole section. They okay. realize that, that that was a area that was being ignored. Right. African American independent artists, I mean, um, uh, filmmakers. And from that, People are being able to really get their product projects yeah. out there, yeah. and they're making a ton of money. Did you see Tubi's commercial on Super Bowl? No, I missed it. Oh my God, it was like the best commercial for. I was like, go Tubi. I just, I, I listen. Anybody that is willing to support people like I, you I, and I, yeah, yeah, but. they give us opportunities. Yeah. We don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay anywhere, but I'll never forget the people who gave me my first opportunity. Me too, and that's why I, I mentioned um, uh, Vicky Stringer. Mm-hmm. You know, she was—I was incarcerated, mm-hmm. even though you know we had our differences when I came home. But you so know that she changed your life. She changed my life. Yeah. And, and and let me tell you something: a true winner will always pay homage, no matter what happened to the relationship. Oh yeah, yeah. You I, have to pay I, I, I homage tried, to yeah. the person that changed your life. Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah, so I know you're a single father. Yeah, my, you take that very seriously. Oh, that's the love of my. Listen to me, no disrespect to anybody, <laughs> but nothing and no one's gonna take the place of me spending time with my boys. That's good. That's nothing, good. I mean, it's gonna take a hell of a woman. Well, you really shouldn't be with a woman that wants to take the place of your children. They should find a place to be yeah. alongside your children. Yeah, but. Anybody who wants to come in and remove your place with your boys is not the woman for you. Yeah, and, and I'm dating someone right now. She's not. That's she's. They, they get. There's a great relationship. Good, she's good, good, woman. good. And so I'm, that's I'm, always I'm important, Neil. Yeah, Leo, you know I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, your your boys because one, my, 
I boy. love seeing the relationship you have with your boys. Oh man, it's just it's like you know at that age at five, they're just so pure. They just want daddy. Mm-hmm. I just want to hang out. That's and not King about no looks just like you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> just like you. Yeah, that's my little man. He has yeah. my personality too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he. Was, I remember you and Portia used to tell me he used to be in uh, daycare beating up the other kids yeah, and stuff. So they was another Leo, right? He calmed down. <laughs> He's kind of calmed down now, though. So. But I appreciate you coming in you here, so spending time with us. I'm hoping that somebody out there learned because the reality of this is it's showing that no matter what you go through, no matter how many times you've been Just knocked down, yeah, if you got out. that fire in yeah. you, it's yeah. going to come don't out. Give up. Keep yeah. going. If it's sincere and it's your passion, I think people need to stop blaming other people for their shortcomings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And just stand up and do what you got to do. And most important, man, just, just seek refuge in prayer. And I'm not even a religious guy, mm-hmm. but I know prayer works. You, you know, know that there was a higher power that got yeah. you through everything you went through. Yeah. Even you know yeah, every day, you know, yep. you just got to get find that space and just have a conversation with God. And just be humble. You know? That's right. And that's where your blessings come is real, but karma's tricky. It is. Because whatever you put out there, man. It's coming back. It right. don't skip. Yeah. It's coming back. And so you just watch if someone has betrayed you or someone. I mean, sometimes people take a little longer than others for it to come back, mm-hmm. even the good deeds we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you press it in, just be righteous by God. And, and you know what? That's why I never really worry about the betrayal. Right. Because I have yet to see anyone to betray me that has not had swift I'm saying swift and I don't have to do anything and I don't sit back and revel in that because that's not what you're supposed to do you're not supposed to do that you're still supposed to pray and and wish them well but you're not coming back over here now we're not dealing no more but I don't worry about that. I don't take let things. God to, I let God do let my God work. Yep. And I'm the same way. I just like the betrayal and stuff like that. I just try not to foster any animosity mm-hmm. or any hatred towards mm-hmm. that. And just just keep moving. And I, and I, and I want to reiterate this. I really feel like what's in your heart, if you're true, if it's passionate, it's going to show. And if you're corrupt and if you're you know, illegal and you have malicious intent, then it's not only going to show up. But you'll become a victim of your own identity. It's gonna come. It's gonna get. It's gonna swallow you up. And time will tell. So time I'm will tell. Everybody, just be patient, man. Just watch. You know. But you know, telling people that is a waste of time. You know, telling them to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. But, but thank you for having me on the thank show. Thank you so much, Leo. It. And I want to tell you guys, thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next time on Coronology. Deuces. See you later. Get no money if you're constantly worried about what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to posting a deal, I get it done.